0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us again on the Unknown Strength Podcast. This is episode number 23. Uh, Brenton and I have a couple of very special guests with us today. Uh, Number one is Mr. Luke Lehman from Muscle Nerds. How you doing?
1: Hello, hello, I'm doing well.
0: Excellent. Number two is Mr. Ben Marker from Mark Performance. What's up, Ben? What's going on? all right
1: you mean special ad? two special ad guys
0: why not absolutely That's and i'm doing nice.
1: awesome thank you mac
0: well there you go brenton's Brenton. here as well i did actually say your name earlier so i
2: appreciate yeah. it
0: so why are we all here together at this table having a podcast episode right now
2: to talk shit and drink whiskey yes indeed Sounded a bit right, Brenton? I think so. And I think, yeah, to really expound on some of these uh, latest strength training drops you guys have got. I heard you guys did some stuff around uh, when it's not about the food. You've been doing a few seminars and stuff lately, so keen to hear about how that's going. Yeah, yeah, so yeah.
0: Muscle Nerds has been killing it lately, so Luke, tell us what you guys have been up to and we'll, why don't we start there?
1: It's also been killing me. <laughs> we're busy. Um, yeah, so we came in this weekend to do when it's not about the food. It's, a, it's a psych, more of a psychology-type uh, seminar that we teach for trainers. Right? And so we bring in a trauma counselor from New Zealand who she does early childhood traumas and you know, any, any type of trauma that you might have stuck in your brain that's inhibiting you from getting to your best potential. And also inhibiting you from doing what you need to do to get your shit straight. So they deal with a lot of super obese people, and you know, really, really damaged people that have gone through car accidents, you know, mommy daddy issues, or what bullying and isolation. So the whole premise of the seminar is to teach trainers a how to have empathy, especially in the strength and conditioning community, because mm-hmm. it's so alpha male, silverback, grill all that bullshit that it's so performance performance orientated that people forget that these are, these are human people with emotions and that sometimes people are fucked up and people in the industry are fucked up. Most of the trainers that I know got into, the, got into the industry because they're so damaged and they don't want to deal with their own shit that they didn't say, okay, well, if I can't handle my own shit, I'll go help everyone else. And that's how I'm going to get that dopamine reward kind of center driven sure. you know, addiction. That's my addiction is just being a workaholic and helping people.
0: Is that, is that some kind of um, syndrome or phenomenon? Is there, is there a name for that?
1: Uh, it's just you know trauma. It's right. just, it's just, so basically, you have a traumatic episode and you don't deal with it and that gets stuck in your brain. It doesn't get filed away. So the way that uh, Nick Simes, who is our, our kind of resident trauma counselor, the way she, she talks about it is if you look in a library and you've got all these books laying around, that they need to actually go back in the bookshelf. And if you don't put them back in the bookshelf, you have all this unresolved baggage that then drives your physiology to self-sabotage. So let's say somebody gets stressed out, how are they going to control that stress? They're going to self-medicate, whether that's drugs or booze or overeating or overexercising but or any over... number of addictions. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, Isaac loves chronic masturbation. He does that a lot. You know why? So and yeah. we, we had to we had to send him in to get some some he medical so things like... for his penis because it was rubbed raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so.
0: He, did, he does. more time I cross that way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like from, from a from a physiological standpoint when you're a, when you're a, a coach and the majority of the people that we deal with is fat loss that's mm. 99.8% of the industry and when you're dealing with people that keep binging and keep purging and keep doing all this stuff and over exercising and you're like why can't you get your shit together it has nothing to do with the food and the training it has to do with the fact that these get people in emotional pain and they need help yeah. and unless we teach trainers about you don't learn this in your set three, four, there are no other courses on the planet. And that's why we made it. So we do a a day and a half of kind of some kumbaya. Let's talk about our feelings. Let's, this is what's happening with trauma. This is why your clients are doing this. And then we do a a day and a half of me doing penis jokes to kind of, you know, get the mood back up after everybody's crying for a day and a half. And then I teach the psychology of how emotional trauma then works down the nervous system to create chronic stress and chronic inflammation, which then screws up your ability to process macronutrients correctly or recover correctly or sleep or anything like that.
0: Mm. I think it's, it's astounding the transformation that's happened in you as, as a coach, an educator, a, you know, a motivator, a teacher from back when we first met. In Rhode Island, I believe it was probably 2014.
2: Yeah, and Mac, and you did were... he make you cry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very, very much so. It was, it was a training that made me cry. Yeah. But no, you were, you were an alpha dog. You were the silverback gorilla. You were that guy much more so than this guy teaching about trauma and how to deal with people's emotions and the baggage. Mm. So, I think that's really, really remarkable, dude.
1: Thank you. You know, part of it's just. Kind of having to come into Jesus talk with yourself and saying, man, I've got some shit I need to deal with, and Mm. then finding the right people and say, wow, fuck, everybody needs to know about this Mm. stuff. Like this. Everyone's hurting and no one's creating a solution. No like,
0: one's talking about it. Yeah.
1: You yeah. can't. You're not going to train this off, and you're not going to diet this off. You have to deal with these unresolved issues, or you're going to keep triggering. You're keep going to have. You're going to keep having issues, and you're gonna keep going to binging and, and starving yourself, and all this other stuff that's happening. And and coaches really need to know about it.
2: Yeah, sure. Fair thing. to say. I mean, I'm no expert in this domain, and I haven't really seen the stats on it. But I have. I would have a hypothesis that a lot of these people who are obese and overweight. They're aware, they're aware that the food they're eating is obviously not good for them, and that's why there's that underlying condition, that mental trauma, that's leading them to self-sabotage, as you
1: said. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Because it, it's like the, um, you know, the, what, what are the, the Catholics that whip themselves? You know, it's like they feel the pain yeah. that they're, they're self-flagellation. Eating. Self-flagellation. Mm. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. And with the foods, they know it's hurting them. With the cigarettes, with the drugs, with the booze. So it's
1: just a perpetual sort of downward spiral.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of the people that have these addictive qualities, they don't want that to happen. But Mm. if you've ever been, most people have had this happen themselves before. There, let's say you have somebody that gets stressed out and they want to get a drink, but they know if they have a drink, they're going to have a problem, right? Mm. And that was me. That's been me in the past, like drugs, drinking, sex, whatever. And it's almost like having an out of body experience where it's like, okay, I'm really stressed out. I need to deal with this. I can't cope. Okay, I'm going to go get a beer. Okay, and you're you're walking into the garage. I don't need a beer. You open the the refrigerator. You're like, I don't need to do this. You're grabbing the beer. I don't have to open it, I can put it back. And then you drink that first one and that first one leads to 12. And you're telling yourself the whole time, dude, you don't have to do this. You can walk away, go to the gym, go do this. And then it just happens. And it happens over and over Mm -hmm. and over every time you get triggered and you're all alone and you don't know who to talk to and you can't get out of this rut. And if you don't seek help, you're going to stay in that rut forever.
0: Mm. And I guess you know you're, you're telling yourself you don't need to do this you don't need to do this there's no reasoning with a person in that state you know what I mean it's it's irrational behavior which kind of needs to be peeled back and you need to get to the the actual source of why that behavior is happening yeah?
1: Yeah right and so I mean when we look at you know where humans are built for survival right and when you get into a, a stressed out state your brain, your thinking brain is going to shut down, the limbic system is going to take over, right? And that's going to tell you survive, survive, survive. If I can't survive through coping mechanisms, how can I, how can I make this pain go away, okay? So, okay, let's turn to booze, let's turn to drugs, let's turn to sex, let's whatever it is, let's, you know, whatever it is that makes you not think about your Depends pain. Turns the
0: volume down a little bit.
1: Absolutely, yeah. it just, now you can't hear it. Mm. La, la 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 I can't hear you. I'm going to ignore my problems, and they're going to go away eventually, and they don't.
0: Yeah. And a lot of the times they just compound, right? They because, compound. Because the coping mechanism itself creates all you know, secondary issues, secondary yeah. problems. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: then when you look at the effect this has, there's, there's tons of science on things like lack of community, lack of purpose, hedonistic mm-hmm. behavior. You look at um, people who are socially isolated, people who spend all day being addicted to, to Facebook because they don't have a good social network. When you look at what happens through the nervous system and through the sympathetic part of that system, it's causing gut issues it's causing it's causing brain issues Mm. it's causing your inability to actually burn fat correctly Mm -hmm. right so you have people where they're doing everything right they are dieting they are training they're doing all this stuff and they can't sleep they can't recover they can't actually burn fat the way they're supposed to and that's an extreme example but it, it does happen like for most people calories in versus calories out. we know that's key but what we have to realize is there's a lot of other factors that go into those two parts of the equation. And part of that calories out is your mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And what controls that? Your thyroid. And what controls that? Impulses from the brain. So if you start getting into a stressed out state and your mitochondria start becoming deficient, now you can't get glucose and fat into the cell to be burned appropriately. It gets kicked out as other things.
0: I see. We really got into the weeds there, didn't we? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, fair to say, I mean, you mentioned that, um, you know, when you've got psychological stress leading to inflammation, that impacts your weight loss, um, you know, how do you, how do you resolve that with, you know, some of your clients then who, like, coming in, obviously they're stressed about the fact that they're overweight and they're in this just bucket list of problems. Um, you know, what's your approach there?
1: Well, the first thing is you, you've got to get educated on what to look for. So. Mm-hmm. What we do, obviously it's not in a trainer's wheelhouse to counsel people. Like yep. We can talk or we can listen. You know, what's going on? If you want to tell me that's fine, you know, you can talk about it and that maybe maybe you're the only person that, that person has to talk to. You know, people come into us and we think we need performance, we need fat loss. You might be the only person in the only three hours that week that, that, that person talks to and actually listens mm-hmm. and talks back and actually gives a shit, right? And so the first thing is saying, Okay, this person's you build this trust and this person's telling you all this stuff. And when I was in my 20s, I would, I would tell people, listen, I'm here to coach you, shut mm. the fuck up. I don't care if your partner's cheating you. I don't care if your kid's smoking. I don't give a fuck, fucking squat.
0: That's mm. the silverback gorilla, right?
1: Yeah, mm. and if I, could, if I could get a DeLorean and I could <laughs> go 88 miles an hour, and go back in time, I would beat the shit out of myself, right? I would, I'd be be like, stop being a fucking dick. Let me tell you what's in your future so you can go ahead and start helping people now instead of waiting 20 years to help people, right?
2: Interesting, I mean, like uh, I had this conversation with Mac once, like I think invariably when when you're a strength coach or a coach or anyone in that sort of coaching role, invariably you become that supporting and nurturing type character in their life. And like, you know, even Mac can attest, like so many times I'll come in the gym, like various times, whether it's in the morning or not, uh, coming from work coming from home various issues and it's hard sometimes when you've you know life gets in the way shit hits you come into work start training with mac and then, like he has to deal with me in different moods and different sort of states mm. uh, and the amount of battles i've had with him i'm just like no nah, i'm just not in the headspace to squat right now exactly. like i i, I am going to argue with you for an
1: hour about all the reasons why i can't do it because my headspace is not right yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, what, you, what, what coaches have to understand is that, phys, that physiological state, the psychological state like that then has repercussions downstream. Mm. So you come in and that's a an neurally driven process. Yeah. So then you come in and you go, okay, we're going to do three to one wave loading or we're going to do lactate sprints on the bike. And your physiology is not set up to cope with that. Mm. Lifting weights in conditioning is fantastic to build stress resilience. And that's the whole point we're going to mm. get stronger we're going to build more stress resilience so we can handle heavier weights and more volume later but if they come in and they're in that state they're not in a state to recover or perform yeah. they're in a state for maladaptation and, and to regress instead of progress so at mm. that point it's like what do you do do we not train okay cool so how about this we can go get a coffee and talk cool your job as a coach is one thing get results yeah and sometimes results doesn't mean that we're bashing their dick in the dirt right mm. But then again, you know, if you're if you're in a, a, an area like if you're, you know, in CBD and you've got CEOs and they expect to be trained, OK, what do I do? Because they still want to be thrashed. Yeah. It's OK. So maybe we think if this is a neurally driven issue. Why don't we move to the under, other end of the strength uh, spectrum? Maybe we do some metabolic work instead, some muscular endurance, strength endurance, and like a sub-maximal type work. Let's work mm-hmm. on some technique stuff with sub-maximal weights. Instead of using force, maybe use a little more velocity and technique so that you can limit that neural drive. That way their nervous system can calm the fuck down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you talk to them about, hey, you really need to lease mode your beast <clears> mode. Why don't, you, why don't you go get a massage this week? Go get a rub and tug, go get in a float tank, whatever it is you do to relax. So
2: back up a little bit. You mentioned something there on the on the le- oh, there's a few things, right? So you mentioned this least mode. I wanna I wanna hear about that before you jump into it again. Um, something that's stuck with me since one of the first episodes we did in this podcast with yourself yeah, was, and your partner. Yeah, you and, you and
0: Zoe were episodes two and three of this podcast. So this is a pretty meaningful event. We, yeah, we,
2: we, this we is got a, got like, a relationship This is, like a, mini it's an, right, this is a mini anniversary right. going on right now. It is. Um, something that's stuck with me, you said, and I preach this to everyone because I think it applies to all sports and you can. It, it definitely does. You can only train as hard as you can recover. That absolutely. is something that has absolutely that's stuck with me. Weird. But I was going to get a,
1: a training philosophy that would definitely be uh, tattooed on me. That would definitely be in contention, you know? Train hard, recover hard. So if you're willing to come in and beast yourself out in the gym and beast yourself in life, you need to beast mode your least mode. Mm. Which means you have to take the recovery seriously. Yeah. Right? And that's what people don't want to do. Mm. They'll come in here and they'll train hard four days a week and they're gasping for breath or puking in the bathroom. But then you tell them, You should probably go get a massage this week or you maybe you need to go talk to a counselor. They go, Nah, I don't have fucking time for that. Yeah. Well, you don't have time not to do that, right? Yeah. So how about you come in for you know forty five 20 minutes, we bash you up, and then we do some stretching. Or maybe I do some yoga with you, or maybe we just talk, or maybe we do some fascial stretch therapy, or whatever it is. A lot of coaches only have one thing and their one tool in their toolbox, mm-hmm. which is training. So, maybe we learn how to do some assisted partner stretching. And during that time, you're talking to the, to the guy about, okay, let's talk about your food while I stretch you. So, you're killing two birds with one stone, or as I like yeah. to say, two girls in one cup. So, <laughs> please don't ever say that again. <laughs>
2: so, for the people listening out there who've had some experiences with personal trainers and they've got that typical run of the meal experience, they go in, they get told to do, they, this person appears from a back room with like a, a printout of exercises, and that's their personal trainer experience. What do people need to look for to get this kind of holistic experience you're talking about? Because it doesn't sound like you're talking just about a personal trainer or just a strength trainer. You're, you're talking what, about, what do you about call this? an
0: evolved, an evolved trainer, an evolved coach, like an educator.
1: Yeah. So the the first thing everybody talks about, oh, they they train gym pop, they train gym. Listen, everybody trains gym pop. Stop training him like a fucking athlete. Mm. Yeah, mm. Susie muffin top is not a fucking athlete. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there's things that they're doing. This is why we have program design classes, This is why we have our foundation course, which is all nutritional biochemistry. This is why we do the psychological course, because we're trying to fill the gaps in people's education that no one else is teaching. Because they're teaching methods. OK, cool, you do German volume training. You do GBC. You do all this stuff. But why? And no one can explain that, because none of the trainers know their biochemistry. They don't know their mm-hmm. physiology. They yeah. don't know any of that. So they don't actually know what's happening, and they can't predict the results. Right. What we teach in a program design class is you at the end of this, you should be able to program for 12 months for a gin pop. And that's not just program 12, 12 months with the training, but also conditioning and nutrition and some supplementation if that's appropriate. You need to have empathy, you need to know where they are, you need to know where to put them on the continuum, which means you have to have measurements so you can manage these things and understand what they need when they need it. Mm-hmm. And when it's time to take some time off and go on a holiday or go on lease, but so there's so much stuff you have to think about. Mm. But if you don't understand what's going on at the cellular level, you're just throwing shit at the wall and you're hoping something sticks. Mm. And this is what's driving me fucking crazy. <laughs> um, but it's
0: always been that way. It, it literally, as long as I've known this industry, that's that's the way it's been.
1: And just because something's been that way forever and ever, doesn't mean it's the right way. Exactly. Or there's not a better way. Absolutely. You are,
0: like you're becoming the Uber of our industry. You're, you're, you're the <laughs> disruptive motherfucker that's really going to put people out of business. And
1: I'm not going to fucking apologize. Either, <laughs> right you either so. You evolve or you get left behind. Yeah. And this this calls upon, I think, what I
2: leverage in my, uh, you know, as a designer, you talk about understand the problem before you can actually solve for it. So I guess what you're talking about is understanding like your clients, again, from that holistic point of view and not just, you know, to get towards that PB in the strength training room, it may not be just lifting more weights. It may be a few other sort of activities and arrangements in your life that you need to take care of to sort of reach that goal.
1: Yeah there's so many other factors that go into play right so I was actually I had a coach from Adelaide come in and we did some he's opening a facility and he wants to know what he should do and I'm not good at business my 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 business advice is Here's the things you don't want to do, because this is the shit me and Zoe and I fucked up with. This is what we did. (laughs) Yeah, and I actually trained him for powerlifting and also for long distance running. So he comes to me and he wants to, these two completely opposite goals. how do you do this?
0: This is the the, the hybrid athlete shit, the Alex Vieira
1: stuff. It's it's, uh, a guy named Costa, I'm not gonna say his last name because he's Greek and there's more consonants than vowels, (laughs) so I, I can't, and I told him that this morning, I'm like, I've been training you for a while and I've known you for a long time and I still can't say your last name, so you're just like Costa M. (laughs) <laughs> like that's it. And um, you know, it, one thing that, kind of a light bulb that went off in my head that people don't know about is when you're getting ready for a powerlifting meet, he wants to lift heavy all the way to the meet. And I'm like, no, you need to recover. He goes, but if I don't keep lifting really heavy, I'm not going to, reco- I'm, I'm not going to feel the weight here. And I go, no, you need to relax. You've got to relax. You've got to, requ- you have to recover not only your nervous system, but your muscular system, but you also have to recover the, the cell. And that's something people don't think about. Mm. So we taper off two weeks out, he comes out and he knocks out 15 more kilos on all his lifts because he stepped back and actually let his body recover. People don't think about things like that. So when you're bashing people in the gym, you're not thinking about that nervous system relaxation, you're not, talk- mm. you're not thinking about the muscular, you're not thinking then about the emotional, you're not thinking about the cellular. There's a lot of stuff that needs to recover.
0: There's a lot of things to consider, but absolutely.
1: The, but the thing is, no one teaches this stuff. And when you go into the Cert 3-4, and you go through like, let's look at the muscle fiber, let's look at the cell you kind of glaze over all that and you just try to pass everything because all you want to know is sets, reps, time under tension, rest, periodization. Just practical, Yeah, Yeah, purely practical. And if you learn that first, you're putting the cart before the horse, right? Because you don't know what that stuff is stimulating in the body. And what you're trying to do is feeding your body information to get it to move a certain direction. But if you don't know what that information then stimulates, how are you going to predict where they're going? Mm.
2: So when you talk about cell recovery, uh, what do you exactly mean by that? And how do you know when your cell has recovered?
1: Well, you don't, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we, we, if, unless you have a lab and you're getting tested with all this stuff, but like I showed you guys, this the lactate scalp. It's yep. uh, it holding a little
2: blue bag Little with blue a little bag. Prick machine yeah. thing.
1: It's a, it's a expensive piece of equipment that I bought from North America. And what it does, it tells us where your blood lactate is by using this. We can tell what's going on in the mitochondria. When glucose comes in, mm. if, you, if you start getting really stressed out and you start getting resistant to energy or losing your metabolic flexibility and you start building a lot of free radicals, your mitochondria is going to go, fuck that, this is causing damage, I can't handle this, and it's going to start kicking glucose out as lactate and that will rise fasting. So if I see that rising, I understand that what we're doing... Is probably pushing your metabolism in the wrong direction, mm. so maybe we back off here or back off there and reappropriate what you're doing to regain that. So then everything starts flowing correctly. Mm. So there are things you can measure. Most most trainers aren't going to buy this because it's a thousand dollar piece of equipment, you know, it, and it's not practical. I have it because I do stupid shit like putting implants in the back of my arm to measure my blood glucose. My fingers—I can't even get blood out of my fingers because I take You've done it too
0: many times. Yeah.
1: I take blood ketones, blood glucose. I measure everything. I take my heart rate every day, my HRV, my blood pressure. You know, I, I, I basically do a stool analysis when I send pictures of my poop to Isaac. <laughs> Here's the thing: if if anybody listening wants to know if their poop looks okay. Take a picture and send it on Messenger to Isaac Davidson, okay?
2: He's, he's, a, he's seen it all. He's our, he's our
1: poop specialist, and he's happy to tell you if your poop is good or not.
2: I actually, I actually sent some off for a, a Microbia. I think I sent yeah. it off that to actually find out how my gut health's doing. So couple of weeks away from knowing the results but um i'll make sure i also send that off to isaac just if you could He'll it, love it
0: what's what's his home address by the way <laughs> <laughs> i, I don't
1: think he actually has a home right now He kind of <laughs> lives with us between us and and he's kind of a vagabond to whoever has a couch so we'll just send our shit to you no, 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 <laughs> no. I'll forward it on to him. It's good. Cool. Actually, if you guys have to shit tonight, just shit and just hand it to him. It's good. <laughs> um, something you were touching on about metabolism,
2: the way you talk about it, and you were mentioning uh, a few case studies before we jumped onto the podcast. You are talking about metabolism and fixing people's metabolism. And you make it sound like it's something that's elastic and fluid and not something that's so set. Um, I guess sort of expand that a little bit with metabolism. Is, is it something that you've got your metabolism and that's it? That's your metabolism. You respond to
1: that as is or is it something that can be changed, modified, ramped up, down, what? Yeah, absolutely. The mo- the metabolism is is forever changing and adapting to your environment, right? So, let's say somebody gets super stressed out. Mm. That's going to cause downstream issues, right? You're going to get your pupils are going to dilate, you're going to get tachycardia, you're going to your bronchial tubes are going to open up. You there's a lot of things that happen, right? So, when we look at the cell, Everything everything is based on, do I feel safe and secure, or do I feel threatened? Mm-hmm. Okay, so in a, in a, in a contemporary, well, in a historical physical threat situation, you know, a lion jumps out at you, you go, oh shit. And you either you've time got- Time to run. Time to Well, yeah, you've got four options. You're gonna fight, flight, freeze or facade, right? So traditionally we look at fight or flight. You're either gonna try to fight them or you're gonna run away. So in that situation, Things like your immune system gets jacked up, which mm-hmm. creates a lot of inflammation, stress levels go up, your heartbeat get, you lose heart rate variability. And then you start really preferentially utilizing glucose for energy because glucose makes really fast energy. Then when you get away, all that stuff goes down. Unfortunately, now we have contemporary social issues. So you have what's called conserved transcriptional response to adversity. So if you are put in, an ad, in a position where you feel threatened, That can have influences on your genome which Mm -hmm. then creates transcriptional responses where you're making in an an inappropriate amount of inflammatory chemicals right and when you do that you're shoving 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 glucose into the cell when you overload the the mitochondria with glucose or with free fatty acids that creates a lot of free radical damage Mm -hmm. so in order for the body to protect yourself it starts to shut down the mitochondria then pyruvate can't get into the mitochondria it gets kicked out as lactate then eventually the, the cell says okay how do I fix this let's prevent glucose from getting into the cell okay now your glucose starts to rise mm-hmm. then it says okay well I'm also getting energy from free fatty acids how do I prevent that well let's direct free fatty acids to other pathways now your cholesterol starts to rise Dry. your LDL rises your triglycerides start to rise then you have somebody whose who's biochemistry labs are really fucked up mm. and then you go talk to somebody uh, you go talk to a doctor and hey, I've got a pill for that you go yeah. talk to a, a, a trainer he goes well doctors are stupid I got a pill for that but they're not actually addressing the problem, Hmm. which is if we can get them to calm the fuck down, a lot of that stuff will go away. Yep.
0: But in and of themselves, all of those markers, say the blood markers and everything, they're not the problem. They're responses directly to the problem and no one's actually addressing it. It's like taking the check engine bulb out of the check engine light, not addressing the problem in the
1: engine, right? Yeah, 100%. And let's say I pull that bulb out, right? I pull the fuse out. I don't have to, now. or I put a piece of masking tape over, so I don't have to see that light. Well, eventually what's gonna happen? Your fucking engine's you've gonna blow. you gonna rot mm. inside, yeah. yeah. So you can't ignore symptoms, but you also can't just treat the symptoms. Mm. If, you've, if you, what you wanna do is look at what the higher order thing is, it's causing those downstream issues and start working on that, and more often than not, it's in, it's in the brain. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. That's okay. Now, w- why don't we just change gears for a second here, right? Because we, we can come back to a lot more of this cellular stuff. But I just want to bring Ben into the conversation. Now, uh, I brought my whole team along to your uh, seminar just, just a week or two ago, Strength Training for General Population. Now, I know you're a big disciple of, of Luke's over here. You've, you've been through a lot of his material and I, I constantly see uh, elements of, of least mode and a lot of Luke's you know, concepts coming through in the way you train me. Yep. Since you are my fucking powerlifting coach. Hello. <laughs> um, tell me how, t- just tell us a little bit about how your approach and Luke's approach meld together.
3: how uh, to sum that up in a sentence. Um, pretty much I do less. Do less. So typically speaking, you'll see a lot of powerlifters. They absolutely thrash themselves with volume and intensity and they just fucking go hard as a hammer as hard and fast as that yeah one of my approaches i like is like the reality is most gen pop have pretty shit technique Mm -hmm. prioritize that you don't need a heap of load for that you can keep the volume relatively low and still recover pretty well from it like again like as luke was saying like most gen pop people they don't recover well so if you get someone training really really hard and they go in, they drain a hard session, they come in again, like, oh, I'm, I'm tired. It's like, okay, cool. You haven't recovered from the previous session. This session now is up shit creek. Then it becomes a matter of being like, all right, sweet. I don't have to throw a heap at you for it to work. I can give you just enough. Mm. Um, and this is kind of where I combine a bit of stuff that I got from Luke, a couple of guys from like Renaissance periodization.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it's Mikey's retail. Yeah. yeah.
3: They talk a lot about like, you know, maximum recoverable volume. Yeah. So Obviously the most amount of volume you can recover from.
0: But that's a dynamic thing, but
2: right? But that is fluctuating. Yeah. This sounds like uh, like when you get prescribed medicine, they talk about the minimum effective dose. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like, <clears throat> I like to play
3: around with kind of like the minimal adaptive volume, which I yes. the, the least amount I can give you that's still gonna give an adaptation versus like the maximum recoverable volume. And then introduce a lot of the stuff that Luke talks about like, you know, the breathing stuff, release mode, and try and down regulate everybody in that session as well. Mm. Um, so as far as like the the seminar that obviously like I ran the other week, um, a lot of that was more so sort of been like cool, like focus on the technique side of things, manage shit. Mm. You don't have to thrash people. Mm. In fact, thrashing people is probably gonna be, you know, disadvantageous.
0: Yeah, you'll lose business. Yeah, because
3: yeah. people are gonna be like, well, I'm fucked all the time. This isn't good for me. Whereas yeah. if you can get someone who comes in like, oh, I'm tired you know, I'm run down, I feel fatigued. And you're like, okay, cool. We can still get something done. So they feel like they've achieved something, but actually have them walk out of there going, oh, you know what, I actually feel a lot better. Like I've done a little bit of movement stuff. I feel like I've achieved, again, like progress can be measured in so many different ways, whether it's more weight on the bar, which again, for most people, isn't always necessary. A lot of the stuff that I do with my guys is, and obviously with yourself is like practice the technique, technique gets a little bit better week by week. We can put a little bit more weight on the bar and then just get you to recover as hard as possible. Yeah, It's pretty simple.
0: Now, th- this is the thing, I mean, how many times have I come into the studio to train with you absolutely on the fritz? Nervous system <laughs> all over the place, adrenals just through the roof, uh, you know, what's, what's your system of kind of gauging or measuring mm. where, where I'm at or where any of your clients at? Because you've got a whole host of people you're working with.
3: A- it depends on what my relationship with him is like. Right. Like you and I can have a pretty honest conversation. You can be like, Hey man, like I feel like a bag of dicks today. Yeah. Like as much
2: as There's I'm one in, in the back.
0: In, in which case Ben says, yeah. well, I'll just pop down to the <laughs> dick store and get you a bag of them.
2: Exactly. Oh, but I went shopping today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I've got
3: like other clients that will come in and they're like, Oh no, 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 Like I have to train today. Like, I feel like I have to thrash myself. And again, going back to what Luke was talking about, you know, people have their coping mechanisms. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Yeah,
2: like training is the addiction, and
1: oh, it can be training and food is a huge addiction, especially in the fitness industry. I don't think anyone
2: who's done a sport or any kind of training, like training for specific goals, generally starts to correlate how fucked and fatigued you are to it being a productive training session. Exactly, Mm -hmm. and that's a common fallacy.
3: Yeah. Um, so like with some of the people I train, like they'll come in and like, I can just like, again, you train someone for long enough, like you pick up on their little tells, you can pick up on little intricacies be like, ah, uh, there's something, there's something going on today. Mm-hmm. So like, I'll have some clients, they'll come in I'm like, oh, how are you today? It's literally always the first question I ask them and they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm like, oh God, I can smell bullshit from a mile away. <laughs> Usually in that session, it's like, all right, cool. We're going to have a technique day where we're going to really dial in, like really, like you make it seem like, oh we're actually gonna be like doing technique work here so that like down the track, there's more payoff. Yep. And you just explain to them like, look, we're gonna do some technique work at around about X percent. You give them some arbitrary number and you just, you you find a weight where it's like, cool, this isn't moving how it should be. And then when it's not moving how it should be like, cool, what's going on? Yep. This isn't moving how it should be. There's gonna be something more to the picture than this. Yep. And that's usually when they'll open up and be like, oh, well, I've got this going on, I've got that going on, this, this yeah. and this and this. And it's like, okay, cool. Training for us today is maybe not going to be the most beneficial. Let's do some breathing work. Let's downregulate your nervous system. Let's get you back into a good
0: state. Yep. And, and then when they do that
3: and they're like, oh, fuck, I needed that.
0: Yeah. Again. I was just going to say, yeah. like, you'll get the A types and the alphas who <laughs> won't say it. But when you suggest that, there'll be that part inside their own mind would go, oh, holy fuck, thank
3: God. But even half the time with those people, you have to fucking fight them for it. Yeah. And it's yeah.
1: only until you put them well, in. Well, that's the what we talked about with the fight, flight, freezer facade, mm-hmm. okay? You put that facade, facade yeah, exactly. so it's like they put the facade that mm-hmm. I'm the alpha male, well, fuck you. If you come in the train with me, I'm daddy in the gym and you're gonna do what I say. Mm-hmm. And you have to set that precedence, the first conversation so that they know if you come in, I'm gonna tell you what you need to do. You're That's what you're hiring for. But then a lot of people will put the facade on where it's like I'm okay, and you're looking at him going, you're, no, you're not. And they'll come in, and you know they'll come in to see Ben, and he'll go, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm I'm okay, and he can immediately say, oh, something's not right. You're not okay. They're, that's what they're, they're protecting themselves by putting up that facade. Absolutely. Yep. And then a good coach like Ben will watch their warm ups and go, those warm ups don't look crisp. They don't. They're, they're kind of slow. Mm. And then he knows like all right let's watch that first set okay all right look let's back it off we're gonna we're gonna pull some weight off and let's do some positional drills maybe hold the bottom for a few seconds and you know i'm gonna move your technique around and then they're like oh, okay because you know what you're doing that for is to limit that neural load they don't need to know that they don't
0: need
3: to they yeah. don't. the other fun yeah. thing is as well like you put them in positions that like it should be easy for them to hold like in a, a poor squat in the bottom and they can't and you're like okay cool like there's obviously like there's some struggle here like like what happened over your weekend?
0: Yeah. Any number of factors could be influencing that.
3: Yeah. Like my ex-partner contacted me and sent me into a spiral. And it's like, okay, cool. And like, as you were saying earlier, like sometimes the time that they have with you is literally the only time that someone will actually listen and give a fuck about them.
0: Yeah.
3: Like, you know, as much as people come into the gym, like, oh, I'm I'm here to improve myself. Half of the time, people just want someone to fucking listen to them. That's right.
0: They're paying for someone's time for 60 minutes to listen to them. And as you said,
3: improvement isn't
2: just putting 10 kilos on the bar.
3: Exactly. It can literally just be... A matter of being like, cool. I've walked out of here feeling better than I walked in. That mm. can be enough for someone to be like, "Fuck, this person's amazing." So, so right. you guys are
2: you guys are putting the person back in personal trainer. Well, that's, that's thing should know, be personal. That's the exact.
1: Zing. That's the exact thing I said yes, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> and and Isaac's over here laughing because I I looked at those guys and I said, "Listen, the way we teach what we do isn't easy. It takes." It's planning. emotionally. I can imagine. It's emotionally draining. It, it is, but it's also it's like. I'm asking these people to understand exercise metabolism and biochemistry and personal relationships and all this stuff, but that's professional personal training and we've got to put the personal back in personal training. So that's exactly what we say. And that's the thing like this needs to be a movement where the industry gets this. And that needs to be the mantra for every fucking personal trainer going forward is, I'm gonna get personal. Not I'm gonna bang all my clients, which is what most trainers think is personal training. Well, I want to fuck all my clients. Yep. It's a different that's, kind of personal. That's training. That's different, and that can be an, another revenue stream for you. Fine, I get that. Mm. But the thing is, like, we can't give people canned things and not look and work on their own physiology because that's professional training, right? You know, from a from a from a uh, powerlifting perspective too. That autonomic tone, if your sympathetic drive is really high, it's going to make you really fucking tight, right? Because you're guarded. Yeah. And then when you look at somebody and they're trying to squat and they can't get the depth and it feels like their adductors are going to rip off the pubis, you're looking at them going, okay, maybe we do some, maybe we do a little bit of submaximal work and maybe we work off the blocks. And there was a time, last time I had, I had Ben actually watch my sumo deadlifts and I was like having a really hard time. And he goes, okay, we're going to pull off blocks. And I was pulling off blocks, and it felt like my frickin' hips were going to explode. And I didn't realize at the time it's because I was going through a lot of shit, mm. right? He saw that in me, mm. Not, we didn't talk about any of that. He, as a coach, he saw that and said, maybe you should pull short range today. And I went, okay, fine. And then it took me months later to be like, wow, I was going through some shit. Like, he immediately picked up on that, and that's amazing. And that's what a good coach does. Everything's an assessment from the time they walk in the door you're watching them walk in to the first tone of their voice when you say, how are you doing to the warm-ups, then to the first work set. And he picked that up and altered the workout based on how I was feeling emotionally that day. Mm-hmm. But That's I think the, the coaches
3: are, man. But the other thing is as well, like to be a good coach, like you need to have empathy. If you don't like, you're in the wrong fucking business. That's exactly right. You're
2: dealing with people.
3: Well, exactly. Like if you deal with people, like you have to have empathy. If you're one of those people who are like, oh, I fucking hate people, but you're in personal training, like get the fuck out. Mm. You're ruining our industry. You're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, you're in it for money and you're trying to capitalize on people's insecurities and fears.
0: This is a perfect segue into one of the things I wanted to cover today, which is to follow on from Luke's and our first episode together, which is the state of the personal training industry. And we, we kind of... Uh, we, we glossed over this a little bit. We, we touched on it, glossed over it, and then moved on. I think we got into more biochemistry, but um, I really, I really want to go into this because we're in the age now where it's all about these six-figure, you know, business coaches. All about the, you know, your first one hundred clients. The fucking Chris phase of the industry.
1: No, don't fucking say that name in front of me. <laughs>
0: Sorry, dude. Sorry.
1: Man, it's, it's all about the writings. You, you, you gave me a couple of glasses of whiskey and now you're like, you're, now you're ramping me up. I'm sorry. I'm
0: poking the bear. <laughs> no, right? so the
1: base down. Look, <laughs> here's, I've been in this industry a long time, long? And a long time, over 20 years, 30 years of you when I first started training, right? So here's the thing these young coaches are getting in, stop taking sales and marketing classes. Learn how to do a really fucking good job and you will have Mm -hmm. a waiting list of people who will want to give you money and their first child and probably a kidney as well. Mm. You will be booked out solid, but if you learn how to market and sell from these fucking charlatans, You will be forever lead farming and spending all this money and funnels on these fucking leads, and you can't keep a goddamn client more than a few months because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, sounds pretty predatory. It is predatory. (laughs) And it's fucking pissing me off. Like, You've seen all these young 21-year-olds, they don't know their ass from a hole in the ground, and they're, they, but they look really good with their marketing, their, you see it in the education industry.
2: And they're coming to you, they want a solution. They want to be, they, they, they think they're coming to you to be fixed. Like they've got problems and they need help and they need support. Yeah. They just want systems. Hmm. They don't and, actually want to learn their craft.
1: And, and you know, here's in the, back in the day, I was telling the story of this weekend too. You know, I started personal training, and then it got to a point where it was so easy to become a personal trainer, and then it became really e- people were like, oh, I can just hang around and talk to people and make fifty dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously this is a long fucking time ago, and everyone became a personal trainer, and I said, okay, well, I'm an I'm an I'm a competitive powerlifter, I'm a competitive strong man, I'm now a strength coach because nobody else is calling them that. Then everybody started calling themselves a strength coach. Yeah. And I would see guys who were fucking 60 60 kilos soaking wet. They couldn't fucking bench the bar. I'm a strength coach. Motherfucker, you need to get strong before you call yourself that. Mm. Now I'm kind of back into being a personal trainer because I want to make being a personal trainer a good thing again. That you're proud to tell people I'm a personal trainer because I'm a professional. I know what the fuck I'm doing and I'm helping a lot of people.
0: Yep. I'm guilty of that too, being lost in the wasteland of I don't want to work with general population. I only want to work with my fighters. I only want to do that. And now it's, it's been a full circle thing. I mean, it, it really is something you need to take pride in because it's the reason we got into this fucking industry in the first place. Like right? so, most
3: of us got in it to help people. Exactly. As Luke was saying, like, you know, we're here to help people. Mm. Like whether that's to, to make ourselves feel better about ourselves or whether that's to have an impact, you know, it's, it's why we're here. Mm if we're not here to help people, like what the fuck are you doing here? Exactly. My,
1: my, favorite, my favorite quote is Zig Ziglar, help enough people get what they want out of life and eventually you get what you want. And I've done that my entire career mm-hmm. and that's why Muscle Nerds has been so uh, popular with people because we are truly in it to help people. I'm broke as fuck. I put every dollar back into my business. All of my, all of my, my staff, I hate the word employees, I say staff members. All of my staff members make more money than me far more because I don't give a shit about that. Mm. I want them to be able to create a life for themselves. I want them to have pride and want to build a career with us and I want to take care of them. So they take care of our, our clients. Mm. And can that's I, what it's all about. Can I just add something onto that? There's a reason why, like, again, like as Mac was saying, like, I've
3: been through your course, so I've read, like, gone through a lot of your information. There's a reason why I keep coming back. It's cause you guys, like every time I come to your course, I'm like, fuck like these guys literally just want to help people.
1: And the we kind of thing you can't fake. You can't. We you can't fake it. Like, we run it like a we run it like a family. This is a muscle nerds fam, man. And when once it's like a gang. You want out? You're gonna go. We're gonna take you out. You don't. You're not allowed to leave our gang, unless you're really being a turd. And then I'm gonna drive you up to North Queensland. I'm gonna feed you to fucking saltwater crocodiles. Like you're in it for life. And all the internationals listening out
2: there, salt crocodiles in Australia are fucking big.
1: The and, fucking
0: and so like, we've, a we've
1: got big alligators in uh, in Texas, and these fucking things here, f- holy shit! Mm. But this is the thing, like, and you know what? Like, we we give a shit about every single person. Like, I'm good friends with Ben. We hang out every time I come here. He can call me anytime when he has any th- any problems. You can't say that about a lot of companies. Mm, and it's true. you know, his clients can call him at any time. His clients can call me if they've got a problem. He's, he's called me for. and said, I've got this issue. Can you help me out? Happy to help. That's how it should be. We should all be helping each other mm. get somewhere because that, we work better together than apart. And ah, I just get so fucking ramped up about this, right? It's like the it's, saying, like, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the thing is like people come back to our courses over and over again because we treat it like a family. You know when you come to my course, you're gonna get a hug from every single muscle nerd there. We all hang out together, we all build friendships, we all help each other out. If I've got a palatine question that I can't answer, I'm going to call him. If he's got a biochemistry question he can't answer, he's going to call me. Which is going to be a lot of them. A lot of them. If he has a biomechanics question, he's going to call, he's going to call Isaac. You know, if he wants to know what the best lube is to jack off, he's going to call Isaac. He knows. Yeah, I you know that know. well and truly. I got that off the back of my palm. <laughs> you know, but that's how it should be. We, people they are so, they're so amped up to hold their secrets really close to their heart or to yeah. go to somebody's seminar and rip off their seminar. You you don't have to do that. Just ask, and every, we're willing to help. Ben's willing. Everybody's willing to help each other. But the
3: funny thing is, as well, like these days there is so much information out there. Like, there's not like uh, with the exception of you guys doing like a few of your courses. Like a lot of the information is available for everybody. Mm. Like anyone who's like oh, I've got these secret fucking systems that nobody else does. It's like bullshit, motherfucker. Like you haven't reinvented mm. the
2: wheel. Yeah, yeah. You, the, you, the internet's been around a while. Well, yeah. <laughs> here, here's the
1: thing. I've been around a while, so and i've been i've been in the in the physical culture game for a long time and i'm i'm a i study physical history or physical culture history right so when people go with oh this is my method this is my technique motherfucker fuck you like i know where you got that from how arrogant
0: with... is that? What's huh? that it is arrogant yeah. it's yeah, like it's if, arrogant I, as shit.
3: if i use a technique i'll be like oh i learned this from sebastian Orbe, or it's, i learned this from such thing. and such like i'm more than happy to give credit where credit's due Like there's not much that I, in fact, like out of everything I do, I mean like, I take a little bit from here and I take a little bit from there and I kind of make it uniquely my own based on the information I've acquired over my career and like give my special touch to it. Ooh, that was nice. But the reality is like, you know, we go to courses, we learn. We haven't learned that shit like, just from fucking nowhere. Like we've gone out to people, we've sought out
0: information.
2: Mm -hmm. I I think if anything, that sort of exemplifies a level of research and sort of validating techniques as being tried and proven. Absolutely. Mm.
0: Well, let me throw my hat in the ring here. I mean, uh, last month I was in Singapore with Phil DeRue from American Top Team and Dan Howard from here in Melbourne, Absolute MMA. And we lectured to uh, a bunch of Singapore, well, coaches came from all over Asia uh, for Phil's seminar. And Phil was good enough to let us Lecture as well and during my my presentation Phil and Dan they had some kind of joke some bet going on like they had uh, Charles Poliquin's name and Joel Jamison's name up (laughs) up on a whiteboard and they put a little mark next to each one of them uh, for every single time I reference these two guys that I've learnt so much from in my career and that's one thing I stand by if you learnt something from someone who Mm. really pioneered something Fucking acknowledge it. Well, that's the you thing. know what I'm it's saying?
1: Like, it, it, it doesn't cost anything to tell people where you got something from, and we all stand on the shoulders of giants. Yes. That's right. Charles yes. Charles was my first and biggest mentor. Mm. You know, I I was his protege <clears throat> at Polican Group. Right. We had a great relationship, and then we had a falling out. But I still, I still give credit to him for the strength training stuff he taught me. Mm. Right. Every time, now, there's some, th- yeah, I say some things where if, if, if you say things that are factually incorrect in the industry, I'm going to call you out. I've called him out on some things. That doesn't mean I don't care about the guy. I love the, I love the guy. Yeah. And I always, yeah. in my seminars, this, I got this from Charles. This is the best thing he ever taught me. This is the second best thing he ever taught me. I say that type of shit.
0: I think it's, it's really important on this day right now that we honor Charles because, you know, all three of us have learned a lot from him. Brenton indirectly has learned a lot from from Charles. So, I mean, you
2: know... The godson.
0: uh, You know, what what a fucking career. If anyone had a career you would want to emulate, um, probably without some of the personal attributes, but... You know, he, he has impacted more people in the personal training and strength strength conditioning game than anyone else I know of.
1: Like, love the guy or hate the guy, I would not be sitting here and I, muscle nerds would not exist without him. And all the people, all my best friends and closest friends and colleagues, I wouldn't fucking know them. I wouldn't be living in Australia. I'd be in Texas doing, I'd be doing something else. That's right. Maybe I'd go back into computer programming. I don't know, but... When I was 14, I started studying his stuff, I, everything in muscle media, TMAG, all that. And then eventually I met the guy and we had a, you know, created a personal relationship. And then I started working for him and all that. And yeah, like almost every single trainer I know was influenced in some portion by him. And then for the, the generations coming up, it's important for them to know that even though they've not, maybe they've never had experience with them. They're getting that experience through myself, Ben, you, and everyone else that was actually got a chance to meet the guy or study his stuff and he will live on forever and ever.
0: Indeed. Yeah. So we're all indebted to him. And I think it's important that we, uh, we acknowledge that. hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Um, there's been a huge wave of, of stuff on social media since his death. What about a month ago? And, uh, you know, I think, um, I was very careful to not put anything out there because every single person I've ever met in this game put up photos of when they met him and, you know, you had a really, really significant one because you were so close to him for a while. But I just... I chose to leave it, leave it alone. I only met him twice in my life, you know. I learned everything indirectly from him. I thought, I'm, I'm not going to... You know, I'm not going to try and ride this wave. This is... This is important to me, to, to let the man rest in peace. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, honestly, what a fucking career.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, I lost my father seven weeks before Charles. So, in, Sorry, in a span of two months, I lost my father. I lost the two most important men, most important, like, mentors I've had in my entire life. And, like, we talk about when it's not about the food. That's some shit that I had to deal with, you know, and I was doing okay, and then I wasn't doing okay after that happened. And Zoe's thank God for Zoe because she keeps me grounded and she's seen me like completely devastated from both of those things but you just move forward and you, you keep their legacy alive
0: Yeah, it's important and what about can you comment on the stuff that Strength Sensei group is doing now With is it
1: Carlos? I, I don't really know what's going on, I wasn't sure what's going to happen but you know, uh, you know he had Carlos and he had uh, Tony Parra and he mm-hmm. had a lot of people around him I think Carlos is still running with it and um, yeah, and Carlos is amazing. Mm. He's amazing. I met fuck, I met him fuck I don't know, a decade ago and the guy's super knowledgeable and he's both of those guys are, are really good guys to kinda keep that, that movement going. That
0: flame, the flame alive, yeah. and
1: then and then also keep evolving it with all the new research.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely.
1: And that, they've got a good support system, especially in Australia. They've got the guys at Shredder Strengths, so they've oh, got yeah, Marty totally. and Kelly and they, you know they keep that stuff going and that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Charles, rest in peace, brother. <clears throat> Anyone for one of these? <laughs> I'm, I'm just pouring whiskey right
1: now. You guys are a bad influence. I love this you, is Luke. definitely not a ring. Re- this is the first
2: time for me. I don't even first drink whiskey. Ben is cringing because he, uh, when I walked in the doors, he was being given this bottle of whiskey as a <laughs> gift. I think, birthday gift. Yeah, happy birthday, mate. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> uh, I'll get you another one on the way to Huxter Burger. <laughs> Done. I think if you give him a few more of these, you will buy at least a couple. Well, I, I, the the kind of pre-warm-up. that empathy was just going to pour so the, out.
1: The pre-warm up to this podcast, I was getting choked yeah. out and barred for 15 <laughs> minutes. It was, so <laughs> it was very good to watch. So I, I'm going to have to go get some counseling now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so, just trying to surface that trauma. I'll give you oh. a hug, Luke. So, b- before <laughs> Only we, if I can smell your beer. Before we
0: get into Brenton <laughs> okay. and Luke on the mats, let's just raise a glass to Charles. There it is right there, Oof. gentlemen.
3: Cheers. Cheers. Don't shoot this one, Isaac.
0: Gentlemen. Now, Brenton, what was it like kicking Luke's ass on the mat just before? <laughs>
2: It always feels good beating a like a muscular behemoth, the guy who's poured his entire life into being a physical <laughs> specimen.
0: Physique? Yeah, yeah.
2: Just for me to, be able to you know, grasp his life in my hands and just feel like it was for nothing.
1: Well, I I tell you, <laughs> I, I was at a disadvantage because it's been a very emotional weekend and I've had some you know, we've been tending to our flock and all this, so I just took it easy on you because, you know, basically I didn't want to die. So <laughs> my 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 uh retort
2: to that is I asked you how you're doing and I listened to the tone in your voice and how you said it. And I thought,
1: <laughs> I'm going to go easy on this guy today. He, he walks in, he's like, hi, and he shakes my hand. And I go, holy shit, he's got a grip. And he goes, oh, well, I'm left handed. And I go,
3: fuck. <laughs> <laughs> See, watching you roll with Brenton, I was like, fuck, I'm so glad I don't have
1: a key anymore. But at the same time, I'm like,
0: hmm. That does look
1: like <laughs> well, that's, okay. well, here we go back to the, the stress response. You saw me freeze. Yeah, and then you saw me try not to shit my pants. That's pretty <laughs> that's, much what I was doing. That's <laughs> right? Yes. <yeah. laughs>
0: did I tell you
3: about the nickname that they used to give me when I used to do BJJ back in the day? When you did BJ's? BJ's, yes. Okay. Was, but, it, pretty, was it pretty mouth? <laughs> Have you seen this? Well, the thing is you get like, the scent of the beard as well. <laughs> <laughs> you get the beard smell too. It's delightful. But no, like BJJ. There's an extra J. Um, no, bear deer.
0: Bear Deer. Yes. Wait, wait, Bear Deer? Hang
3: yeah, on,
2: I forgot what we're talking about. What are you talking Bear so, Deer?
3: They gave me a nickname, Bear Deer.
2: Oh, Bear Deer. That's your nickname <coughs> in jiu jitsu. Yeah. Deer you, in the. I got lost, up, so. I got lost yeah. in the beard talk. I mean, I got lost. I was entranced by you your, your beard. you smelled it yet? <laughs> oh, you have to smell it. I, I thought that was just a weird side no. remark, but it actually smells no, it's, delightful. It's like a yeah. therapy
1: beard. It's almost yeah. like a
2: weird vapor pen <laughs> thing or something. What's wrong with therapy? <laughs> It's he good, just went in for a second, Sniff. This is getting really intense, ladies and gentlemen. I don't even know if I've ever smelled anyone's beard before. It's that was... like uh, Gypsy Tears and Jesus Love. Now, there, there's a name for that that flavor, or do you call a smell a flavor? I don't yeah, know. So it's, 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 it's tobacco
3: it's, and vanilla, yeah, right? it's the Tom Ford tobacco vanilla yeah. beard oil.
2: Yeah. It's we we talk
0: oil. about this all the time because I have a similar thing, but it's yes. about half the price.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that this is recorded and... Uh, in history. Yeah, you're he, we'll get... sniffing Ben's beard <laughs> well, Britton, <laughs> two Britton, times. Britain.
1: you should smell my balls.
2: Yeah, nah. And unless it's got that cinnamon, <laughs> tobacco, <or> whatever.
1: <laughs> no, what, he's washed since then. What, what if a lion says it does?
2: <laughs> 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 There's only one way for you to find out. <laughs> Uh, I think I can consult Mac on this one. So
0: good. Oh, this, this is burning out exactly as I hoped.
2: Well, I think when we cracked open the whiskey, it was just like
3: doomed for just disaster. But the sweetest disaster. It's wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. What else do we want to talk about? We've got, we got a whole list of bullet points on there, don't we, Brenton?
2: Yeah. Um, so we've covered... <laughs> Auto regulation. We've talked a little bit about the state of the personal training industry. Um, I think we've covered a bit about psychological stress, uh, and it leads to inflammation. We paid homage to Charles. Charles Poliquin. Uh, we talked a little bit about when it's not about the food, mm. um, which fed into obviously the personal trainer industry and how you're bringing in a trauma counsellor and sort of developing that empathy with clients and metabolism. Um, Mac?
0: Powerlifting. Ben, what's up? What's happening? Oh. No!
3: Well, stuff at you.
0: Um,
3: so, currently prepping for Pro Raw at the Arnolds next year. Fantastic. Um, I will
0: be there.
3: It'll be good fun. Um, but yeah, just chipping away week by week, session by session. How much rest are you getting? Uh, are we talking in between sets or in between sessions? All of it. Yes. Um, no, it, it depends. Like, I'm still like 16 weeks out at the moment, so it's nothing too crazy at the moment. Um, no timed rest periods it's more so just like when I feel recovered cool, go again if that set moves like a bag of shit rest a little bit longer
2: so question to you I mean like you're yes you're a trainer and you're a coach and you're aware you know you can observe other people how I guess acutely aware of your own sort of uh, shortcomings when it comes to being able to tell yourself okay I need to take a rest or not do you keep yourself accountable to someone else
3: Um, so I'm pretty fortunate like I've got a a bunch of guys that like I train with um, at PTC in South Melbourne and like yeah, Deeks, Demir, and a few of the other boys, like, they're all coaches as well. Like, they're all very good powerlifters. Um, it's the kind of thing if, like, I go in and I'm moving like a bag of shit, <clears throat> like, they're pretty good at going, oh, what's going on? Like, you just, yeah. you're, not, you're not moving the way you should be. I mean, like, this is the fun part about coaching myself as well, because I'm I'm pretty switched on to, like, if I'm having a good day, if I'm having a bad day. Mm. <sighs> Sometimes you just need to like take your ego aside and be like, you know what, today's just not my day. Mm. I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna eat some food, I'm gonna drink a fuck load of water and I'm gonna go have a nap. Like, especially being 16 weeks out, if I was gonna push now for the sake of trying to satisfy my ego and I mm. hurt myself, that's not fucking good So like just going it. back to coaching myself, like I obviously know my body pretty well. I know what it likes, what it doesn't like.
0: Volume, do you like volume, Ben?
3: Upper body, I do, um, <laughs> <laughs> lower body, uh, Injuries flare up a little bit, which is.
2: N- <laughs> what else flares up? <laughs> do you really want to get into that? <laughs> hey, I'm just building empathy, bro. Oh, I love it. If you can do that,
3: at least like smell my beard again, or like stroke the leg. Or something I think like twice that. is
2: more than enough. Oh, <laughs> the fact that I did it once was kind of weird. And do you want to do it a third? <clears> come on, you know <sighs> you want I'll to. I'll say no one. I'll say no one. Ben but we'll is talk getting later. so
0: much love right now. It's hilarious.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to look at you for like ten minutes. <laughs> That's what they all say. There we go.
0: <laughs> but uh, the reason I bring this up is yep. because there was um, an ungodly amount of volume in one of those one of those program one, one of those phases that yep. I saw that you were doing. Um, I remember a conversation with you about it, and I remember uh, thinking uh, that may not be the best thing for you at that particular time.
3: So at the time, like I was going through quite a bit of like personal stress. I had a bunch of shit going on my plate. That I was like, you know what? Like, you know, we're all, as Luke was saying earlier, like we're all human. Like I'm still a human being at the end of the day, even though I'm a competitive powerlifter. I I couldn't handle that. It was too much stress on top of the current stress I already had. It was just a compounding snowball effect that was actually detrimental. Sure. As opposed to my approach, which would have been, okay, cool. Like let's go in, let's do a little bit. Again, like that whole minimal minimal adaptive volume, give me enough that still causes some adaptation. But again, like if I'm going to go in and I've got a heap of stress going on in my personal life and I go into the gym, I'm like, fuck, I'm actually really anxious being here. Mm. Is it really going to be beneficial?
0: The reason I bring this up is because you were you were working online, no face to face, no. And I mean, the 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 personal was taken out of that that coaching arrangement. That's always going
3: to be the case with online training; is that takes away the personal aspect of it. Yeah. Um, However, like in terms of like that stress management component, like I feel, Luke was saying that like it's a it's an element of the industry that. I think it's overlooked massively.
1: Mm.
3: Like people will be like, oh, just eat well, get enough sleep and you'll be fine. It's more than that. Yeah. Like, are you going and getting your massage to work? Are you gonna go see your physio, get your treatments done? Like, are you doing the stuff that you need to, to recover harder than your training? Like as powerlifters, like we all try to push pretty bloody hard, especially into into competition. Like we're like, okay, cool. We wanna achieve these numbers. We need to push so hard to get into it you know people don't recover to match the training levels like even with the Gen pop guys i train you know they all come in they like they see me compete the way that i do they're like oh well i want to do the same but like i say to them like you know how many hours a week you train like oh maybe three or four i'm like cool i train between sort of 10 and 12 how many hours a week do you spend on recovery and like what do you mean I'm like, exactly i'm like how many weeks like how many hours a week do you spend on recovering and they're like, oh, I don't know. And they come up blank. I'm like, how And you oh, say, cool. how
2: many weeks? I'm oh, sorry, how many a hours a week? Five oh, hours.
3: Yeah. Yep. Um i will like, you know, h- include like massage work, like whether it be-
0: Masturbation. Well, that's,
3: that's just a given. Like that's part of my actually workout routine. <laughs> um, like, how do, you, how do you think I get forearms like this? <laughs> I have no grip issues. <laughs> <laughs> you never let go. That's, never. That's a
1: pretty aggressive <laughs> masturbation. <laughs> Go hard or
3: go home, Luke. That's so what they call choking the chicken. Or go home and go hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> that works too. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so, oh, I completely lost my train of thought on that one. I'm just confused. So about you're talking about rest so,
2: and you were talking about how many hours in the week you spend resting. Yeah, so
3: like you'll get like jam pop guys. And again, like they might train three hours a week and then wonder why they're not progressing at the, the rate that you are. It's like, well, I trained for three times as many hours a week as you do. And I spend, you know, three to five hours a week on recovery work alone. Yeah. And people are like, well, what do you mean by recovery work? I'm like, cool, like something as simple as stretching. Like how good is stretching for fucking recovery? It's
0: great. It's one but of the you, most under, like how, what, we've done that
3: now our Sell it, sessions. Sell it. Right.
2: Sell it to me. How good is stretching for all right, well, recovery? Well, you've would smelled you my like, beard, right?
0: Would you like me to, to chime in here? Yeah, you can, you can give right. us an anecdote. Now, Ben and I use a, a, an expression, feeling like a bag of dicks, you know, well, the nervous system is literally on the fritz. Um, there was there was one session recently. I thought, fuck, I can't not go train. I'm sure there's something I can do, but I'm telling you, my my head was somewhere else. Mm. My nervous system was on the South Pole. Uh, uh, seriously, I was in no shape to train. And Ben uh, did a bit of ART. Did so a little he, bit.
1: Of- he held your dick in contraction, pressed on it, and then stretched it. Yes, okay, exactly. Got it. Got what else you do?
0: We, well, gained an, we gained an paranoid. extra couple that's of pathetic. inches, didn't we? It's all about the inches back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So it, it worked clearly, but no, Ben. Uh, we, we did some stretching. We did a little bit of a little bit of therapy, a little bit of treatment. Um, we did a bunch of, uh, you know, it was all within that realm. It was all within, you know, active therapy, treatment. restorative work. Restorative work.
1: <laughs> I, I think. Okay. I think they don't want to tell you they were doing the Dutch rudder. You know what that is? No. Never so, heard of the Dutch Rudder? Okay, so you you grab yourself, and then Ben grabs your wrist, and he uses your hand to jack yourself off, but he's actually making the motion go. Right, like it's, it's like assisted. Somebody else. Yeah. 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 Sounds the, right. So you can still be heterosexual. But you're facilitating the process of recovery. Right, right. I'm all about giving. It's That's all, all very again, restorative.
3: I'm, I'm here for personal services. <laughs>
1: I'm, here <laughs> to, I'm here to help people. I know. Oh, oh, yes. oh do I know. Oh, oh
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Mac, I mean, it's it's getting I'm, very hard. I'm, bring, I'm
0: bringing this back around, all right? I'm
1: turning this ship back so, yeah, around. Just so everyone knows, the, the, the bottle of whiskey is almost gone. <laughs> oh, fuck it, he's it <laughs> is too. It really is. One Mac of the Man things that I love, like... I, I I very rarely look at other people's Instagram stuff, but I always watch Ben's because you get you get a play by play of what's happening, mm. but you don't get like all the fucking uniform unicorn skittle fart shit. He's like. Fuck! I went in the gym today. I did two hundred five for you know four sets of eight. It fucking felt like shit. I'm not doing well. Okay, maybe I need to readjust some things. Like yeah. most people would be like, "Yeah, I'm crushing shit." Fuck you! No, you're not. Mm. He's completely transparent and honest on his Instagram, and that's something we need more in the industry. But actually, the reality,
3: the reality is like people don't share like the bad side. They only share the positives and the wins <clears> they have in life. The biggest thing that I always wanted to try and do is have an impact on people and be like, cool, it's okay not to have a perfect fucking day. It's okay to go into the gym feeling like a bag of shit and not be able to finish your workout. It doesn't make you less of a human being. It just, it makes you human. Mm. Get over it.
0: I think that's, that's just the attribute of your personality. And uh, it's one of the reasons why you and I have been working together for so long because yeah. real recognize real and, you know, your Instagram page is a beacon for that quality. You know what I mean? Like, it is. Yes. It's, it's filled with shit sessions.
2: I was going to say you didn't know. well
0: no no
2: no no no, 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 I mean I mean come on come on Mac empathy bro let me back that up here's
1: the thing there may be some real recognised real there may be some shit sessions but he's still the strongest motherfucker table uh, motherfucking person at the table right now Yeah, Yeah. I mean I'm
2: looking at his Instagram right now and there is only videos of lifting so if that's your thing yeah Yeah, my dog I
0: haven't found and can not can't forget, Matt. Oh, there'll be something there about your dog in the Please, last few ben, weeks. L- let me back that up. Let me back that up and explain myself. Go for it. <laughs> w- when I say that, your page is only lifting. Mostly, and, yeah. And within that, you've you've captured every bad session that you've done. Well, the thing
3: is, like, I I address the good stuff as much as I address the bad That's stuff. That's right. So if, like, you know, the other week I had, i um, a dealer and I had to hit two hundred five for eights on my squat. Mm. They felt real fucking good. The following week, I had to go in there and hit it for four by five and it felt like a bag of shit. Mm. Like, you know, in that post, I'm pretty sure I'm like, oh, it felt really fucking heavy today. I still had the work done. It doesn't make me a special snowflake by any means. Mm. It just makes me fucking normal. Mm. Like people try and glorify themselves. And like the thing, oh, I'm gonna go to a little bit of a rant here. Let's go. Everyone who's yes. like, oh, yeah, Luke's excited. Yes.
0: People were like, hate <laughs>
3: but people will be like, oh, Oh, I'm good um, They'll be like oh, I'm training for powerlifting I'm going on a fucking war Like fuck the ah, f- oh, fuck off Like you're training in the gym You're not a fucking special snowflake You are picking up a piece of fucking metal And putting it back down again That does not fucking qualify you for anything Other than a Congratulations you picked up X Well done You can lift a heavy thing Yeah It doesn't make you a fucking special snowflake You know you get these guys who go out And they actually surf up And they actually go to war None of those motherfuckers are like Oh I'm going to walk them I'm in the gym Like you, like, I mean, thank fuck I've never experienced real war mm. I hope to god I never do mm.
2: I've, I've, I've always found that funny like friends of mine who've been in the military and stuff and they've like always questioned why I go into martial arts and train they're like yeah but it wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that with like full gear on out in the desert I'm like yeah okay like I never want to go out into those conditions Yeah, all respect like, yeah. to the people but, that do it but, 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 but <laughs> the other thing is as well
3: you go out in those conditions you got a fucking gun <laughs> like, the likelihood of you needing to fucking choke some motherfucker out is so low you and shoot I, them in the head yeah, I, I'm a lover
2: not a fighter Exactly. Like, I'll cuddle you.
1: I felt <laughs> the love. I've i really felt the love while you were strangling hey. the fuck out of me. <laughs> hey, I kept you close. So there's a very nice cuddle you gave me. Heart to heart. <laughs> hey,
0: that's a perfect segue, all right? Luke Lehman now does jiu-jitsu. I do. Yeah, how, how do. far in are we now?
1: Uh, total, total time accumulation and not my travels, Probably, I don't know, maybe eight weeks.
0: Right. This is when you're taking it seriously with some consistency. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I, I came into it to to take it seriously and to roll it into competition at some point and to basically on the same track you were at with with like, want to get my black belt someday and, you Mm -hmm. know, focusing on becoming the best I can be. And you know, I, I my experiences with judo and Japanese Jitsu, and the first time I did Brazilian Jitsu, and I've told you guys this story before. Last time, yeah. The last time it was like 15 years ago. You know, I walk in, they're like, okay, you know, he's gonna lay on the ground, you're gonna get in between his legs, and I'm going, uh, what? Like this is not looking. It's not how Japanese Jitsu or judo goes. And he's like, no, well, this is how we train. You're gonna end up on the ground here. And so I'm like, oh, okay, whatever and i think probably a couple of weeks in i had a, a big guy on top of me we we're both sweating um, we didn't have rash guards back then the his nipple his nipple it's nipplegate. gate his nipple pops out goes the nipple. right in my mouth so i had some other dude's sweaty nipple in my howl, my mouth and i freaked out and went fuck this i'm gonna go do muay thai and then today while we're rolling Someone's nipple pops out. Oh,
2: I thought you were joking. Did it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it was like sitting like on my left nostril, and I start having flashbacks. So I'm gonna have to go get some trauma counseling now. I thought you were saying like, fortunately a nipple didn't slip. No, your nipple can It's a nice nipple, but I don't want it in my mouth. And it was in kind of in my nostril. And then <laughs> I started having flashbacks and I started freaking out, but it didn't matter. Cause I couldn't freak out. Cause I, then I was getting choked.
2: So. No, I'm worried because I'm thinking of all the times where I think my nipple didn't slip out. And I'm worrying how many that's awkward a, situations just, I've encountered just with it. But yeah. a, this look, is it's
0: the a current. great
1: strategy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the kind of thing we need to roll into your when it's not about the food seminar. Oh, yeah. What about when a nipple slips?
1: When a nipple slips, then, you know, hey, that could be a trigger to drinking a quarter bottle of wine, of uh, whiskey like we're doing right now.
0: Yeah, Johnny and Walker Gold John, Label it was really nice. Mm, yeah. I'm not
1: a whiskey guy, but this is all right. Yeah, ah, it's, likewise. Yeah. But it's you gone,
0: know, gone down quite well.
1: The thing I'm, the thing well. I'm enjoying about the Brazilian jiu-jitsu is in most of the martial arts I've done, your focus is always getting to the next belt. And then you go in, but when you go in the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you see all these white belts and they're all really fucking good. And mm-hmm. you're like, holy shit. And that's like, when you, like you've got one stripe, two stripes, like when you get your blue belt and they're all like, I really don't give a shit. Like I'm here to get better. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about the belts. Then you roll the a fucking a guy's a blue belt. Who's been training five or six years. And the guy's just completely mauling you. Yeah. You know, holy shit. And then you, you learn to start focusing on the art. Not the actual reception of some tangible thing, yeah. like a stripe or a belt, and then you realize, okay, all right, cool, if I get to be a black belt, I get to be a black belt. I know I'm in this for 10 to 15 to 20 years. whatever. doesn't really matter.: It's a journey. It's a journey. I love the process. And that's what I like. It's a journey, and it takes the pressure off, and it's just all about like learning to get better, not getting trapped into things, mm. and then it's mm. the mental mathematics of it. It's like engineering, it's like I understand biomechanics and leverage, okay, now how to, how do I understand the strategy about not letting someone have space, creating a dominant position, what can I do here? If this doesn't work, where do I go? And then making my opponent fuck up, because yeah. that's what it's all about, mm. making him make a bad mistake that he's gonna fucking regret.
0: Baits and traps and yeah. problem solving. Now, yeah. I just wanna give you the opportunity to represent the gym that you're training at now in Brisbane, because we chatted yeah. briefly off air about it, uh, and it sounds like a really really cool community cool little environment to uh to be training in. it
1: is it's uh, my the the guy i'm taking my instruction from is justin bennett's and he's a he's competitive he's a brown belt um he trains out of the agoge that's his gym he used to train out of art suave and the guy's amazing he's uh it's not a competitive atmosphere and that's what kind of turned me off of brazilian jiu-jitsu before it's like you go in and everybody's trying to manhandle each other and i'm like Man, I wanna learn a technique before I ever get competitive and I wanna get good so we don't hurt each other. And he reinforces that of, okay, let's learn the mechanics behind things and let's re- let's re let's get really good at feeling and not thinking mm-hmm. and moving from one thing to the other with nice fluid motion. And that that's kind of more my style because mm-hmm. I am a am I I'm I'm not a small guy. Yeah. And I'm not a weak guy. But with the jujitsu, you wanna learn how to finesse it and to yeah. be able to bring
0: the technique yeah and the brute strength yeah. i together. don't want to
1: force somebody into a submission i want to make you fuck up i was going to say suffice to say you're actually at a
2: disadvantage when it comes to learning jiu-jitsu because you have a lot of physical attributes they're going to let you power techniques power moves get yourself into positions that against a standard person you know uh if they've got better technique you know they're going to have to have a significant technique advantage over you to generally sort of outmuscle you out maneuver yep. you and is, that, that, is
0: that what you found earlier
2: No Uh, no, I found that he was Very very powerful And that that the reality is Is that he's going to give A lot of white belts And blue belts And even purple belts Trouble off pure Physical athleticism If you can throw someone off you, if you can ragdoll them, move them away from you, they still have to work pretty hard to find that opportunity to put you away.
1: Okay, he's fucking lying because I spent the whole time thinking, (laughs) please don't shit your pants in front of all these people. (laughs) (laughs) It was like trying to wrestle a fucking metal pole. And then having that metal pole throw you around. He is quite rigid. Yeah, He's quite powerful and strong, right? And this is the thing, like... You never know, like I, I, I convinced Isaac to come. He's got a shit muscle like his muscle tone is shit, but it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm flexing
2: right now. That's not fair. I'm only saying that
1: because I'm across a few microphones and you know, he's probably not gonna jump across the table. But like I was I, I, I tell everybody now, like, look, man, if you wanna if you want something to go do, like a least mode thing, and it sounds silly for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to be least mode, but part of least mode is getting a hobby. And something that takes your mind away yeah. from everything. Like for me, like motorcycles, I love driving motorcycles because it, all you can think about is a motorcycle. <laughs> if you stop thinking about that, you're going to die.
0: Your old man was a
1: bikey too. He was. It? And I'm now working on getting, getting his motorcycle over here. Fantastic. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And, um, you know, when, when I go to, to jiu-jitsu, the only thing you can think about is jiu-jitsu. And the only thing you think about is protecting yourself and protecting your partner. Mm. And you don't have time to think about any of your fucking mm. problems. So you can go and you can just escape for a couple of hours. And Zoe's like, oh, my God, stop telling everybody to go. Like, but people don't understand they how don't. fucking powerful <laughs> it is. Yeah. And so I convinced Isaac to go the first time. He's like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. Like, it's scary, but I can get on the mat and I can't think about anything else but this. And I think that's a really powerful thing.
3: I'm going to attest to that for someone who used to do BJJ once in a blue moon ago. Um, literally like you have someone who's trying to like jump around your neck. It forces you to slow down. Mm. Yeah. Like it literally forces you just to go stop. Okay. I'm going to assess this situation. Okay. How do I get out of this without getting choked the fuck out?
2: Absolutely. And the real idea is if you peel back and you look at what is the purpose of meditation, like what are you trying to achieve in meditation? It's to actually take a step back, slow down and just observe thoughts really and just like not overthink things. And when you're, when you're doing jujitsu, the reality is quite often, the only thing you have to think about is how do I break this grip off my neck? How do I, how do I get his weight off me? Like just such a simple thing that brings you back this sort of primal survival mode mm. where the issues you're experiencing day-to-day, relationships, jobs, stress, money, finance, all of these things are inconsequential when you have to move a yeah. physical weight off you
1: it, it also Correct. teaches you how to control that stress response because okay you you end up on the bottom mm. and someone your size or bigger is on top of you and you can't breathe and they're covering your face and you're trying not to give them something to lever into an arm bar or a triangle or whatever and you have to learn okay calm down because getting getting like crazy and freaked out is not going to help things and yeah. you're going to burn all your energy so you learn just to you learn just to frame up and just wait mm. and to just be very patient and the first few times you roll it's like one minute in and you're dry heaving and throwing up outside yeah. then you're like everyone's like dude you got to calm down so you get on the bottom and you calm down now you're rolling for three minutes okay i can do this and then after a few weeks you're rolling for 20 or 30 minutes and you're not even tired mm. and it's like i now can control my emotional state yeah. i can control that stress response and then when you're outside of the outside of your your club you're like, okay, what's going on right now is not that big of a deal. I just need to frame Mm. and relax and take care of it and look for an opportunity
2: yeah absolutely and, and that's the thing Like, that's beautiful you touched on about like fuck
1: that was good right
2: that was good that, that was, was good that's fantastic good. for a guy that's been I, doing I it for how long <laughs> i got to pay that um, the reality is you start to learn to at least be uh, attuned to and sensitive to your psychological responses to difficult situations and I always explain this to people like I mean I, I work in an office I'm, I'm a designer so I go into some Heavy design, heavy office type situations. And I always look at it as no situation is ever going to be as hard as having someone like with their hand on my throat, knee riding me, mounting me, taking my back. And in that moment, all I care about is trying to escape that situation. Nothing in life is ever really as hard as yep. that most of the time. In
0: that moment. Yeah. In that moment. That's the thing a lot of people who've never experienced jujitsu listening in, they're not going to understand just how challenging it is. They're not going to understand, like, how much it's going to test their character to stand up or, you know, lay down in in this case and, and really try and figure this thing out. It is such a challenging undertaking and that's what I love about it. That's why my journey has been so back and forth over the years with it, but it is a very, very serious undertaking. And you, you, you command respect when you start to get good at it. And that's the thing. It's not about the belts. It's not about the grades. It's not about the achievements. But the lifestyle, when you can incorporate that into your lifestyle, so many other things Mm. within your life Mm. will change with it. As you get better at it, you get better at coping with different situations.
2: Definitely. I was going to say, when people ask me, oh, do you think I should do jiu-jitsu, do you think i will be good at it? I'm like, well, I don't know if you, that, that's inconsequential. The reality no, I, is, is I guarantee you that if you stay at it long enough, you will be 100% better than the person you were when you walked in the door the first mm-hmm. time. You won't even be the same person. Because the reality is, is in order for you to become better at that and to, and to improve, you need to change. You need to change how you respond to losing, to failure, to stress, to all these difficult situations. And you won't improve unless you unless you change
1: those qualities about yourself. Yeah, and you and I had a great conversation about this after after you taught me some lessons. And it's like, <laughs> You know there's no place for ego on the mat because ego gets you hurt and mm. you you learn we talk about empathy in this podcast you learn a lot of empathy because you can seriously hurt them or they can seriously hurt you and when you're when someone's choking the shit out of you and mm. you know it it won't take much for them to end that shit for you mm. you learn to respect it and then you learn to respect the other person when you have them in that position it's like okay i'm just gonna go just hard enough to get the choke and then they tap and i'm done and it gives you a lot of respect for not only yourself and other people but human life and empathy and saying, okay, fuck, man, I've got all this massive control and power that I can have. And it gives you a lot of respect for it.
2: Absolutely. And it's, it's a very humbling process as well. And like, particularly with any kind of extreme sport you do, whether it's uh weightlifting or jujitsu, it does expose and highlight the limit, the very real limitations you have. And that's not a bad thing. Learning the limitations you have and trying to work around those and push those, like learning that you can only lift a certain amount and not letting your ego get in the way and walk in and say, look, I'm going to lift 600 kilos today. It's only going to get you hurt.
0: When we talk about respect, I just want to say this. One time, I got a lot of respect for you, Luke, because when you got onto that mat, I could see in your eyes, you had no interest in rolling with Brenton. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, try, you tried to talk me out of letting Brenton get on that mat with you, but you stuck with it. There was a good, I reckon 30 minutes, 30, 30 to 40 minutes that you got you got your ass handed to you by Brenton for the first maybe five to 10 and then you allowed Brenton to show you a few things. Yeah. And that is the essence of jiu-jitsu. You gotta get your fucking head smashed in first, learn your humility, so that those above you can show you what you need to know. And that that is, that is part of the art. You need to lose, you need to be the nail before you can be the hammer. Mm, and so like, I've got a lot of respect for what I witnessed there on my, you know, four by four jigsaw mat in, our little studio here tonight.
1: Look, here's the thing. You want to learn, you roll with a master. You roll with somebody who actually knows their craft, and yeah, Yeah. you're probably going to get your ass handed to you, Mm -hmm. and you say, okay, I realize that. You know, how long have you been training? Okay, I'm making a timeline of how long it's going to take me to get good like that, because that's that's what you're searching for. That's right. And if you you look for a mentor, mentors come in lots of shapes and si- sizes, and they come at different times of your life. And I'm, I'm saying, okay, next time I'm in Melbourne, you know what I'm going to do? We're going to fucking get on that mat or somewhere else, and he's going to choke the fuck out of me, and I'm going to yeah, go, okay.
0: You're going to learn more.
1: And then I'm going to okay. How do I prevent that and what do I do? Mm. And I'm going to come back for more and more and more. And he's going to choke me out. He's going to arm bar me. He's going to on me. He's going to do all this shit to me. And every time I'm going to learn something else, I'm mm. going to take that back with me. And I'm going to process that. But if I don't have the humility, if I'm not humble enough to accept that instruction, then I'm not a worthy student.
0: Could not have said so thank it Thank you. No. Thank you for allowing me to witness that. Hmm good on you brenton for kicking his ass and teaching him a you thing really too. fucking
1: enjoyed that i know
0: <laughs> <There you go. laughs> i think we all did isaac over there was losing his shit he was loving it
1: no, you know he walks in and i'm like oh fuck here's the grip <laughs> he's and so he, much bigger and, than and i he's imagined got, and he comes in like I, i've got my i've got my geese stuff in a duffel bag he's got like the professional backpack and i'm like <laughs> then he then he walks out he's got a black belt on but it's gray so i'm like Holy mm. shit. <laughs> I do want to shout out to MMA Fight Store who gave me that amazing bag. So yeah, Good shout out. yeah, Look, yeah. Man, anytime I have the chance to roll with a black belt, I'm gonna roll. And I know I'm gonna get the shit kicked out of me, but I'm gonna learn a lot.
0: <laughs> wow, the phone just rang here. <clears throat> That's a first for the Unknown Strength podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the landline just lot of firsts rang on this episode. I oh. tell
0: you what the phone's ringing off the hook here at Fitline Personal Training. Are we
2: taking calls tonight? <laughs> Caller, you're on the line. Do you yeah. have questions? <laughs> yeah, let's bring it back to like the 90s.
0: No, that that's uh, Look, why don't we start to wrap things up a little bit? It's been uh, it's been nearly a couple of uh, couple of hours on here. Um, what have you both got going on, Luke and Ben? Let's start with you, Luke. The rest of this year, it's it's nearly Christmas time. What's on the horizon?
1: Oh shit! Um, the next two weekends, result based training. I'm doing all of their education, uh, well, some of their education, but for all their places for the next year. So I'll be doing that with them. Um, then hopefully I can actually like play PlayStation and enjoy my wife and my dog and my own bed for a while, um, and then. In January, I get to go to the United States to do a cadaver course, so I get to chop up a dead body. Fuck yeah. Respectfully chop up a Wait, dead body. Hang on,
0: hang on. You guys are married now?
1: Well, might as well be. We're, we're going to get married February 2nd, 2020, so I needed a date Wait, that then was- why
0: real... the fuck are you calling her your wife? Is it the whiskey?
1: No, I've always called her that. Because, well, I mean, yeah, as long as I've done, you've always called her yeah, that. Yeah, I've always called her that. Been, though, I've yeah, that. It's, it's, it's the inevitable. She is. I mean, I must she's, have missed that. She's the, the, she is single-handedly the greatest thing that's ever come in my life. And she's my rock and she's everything.
0: Massive respect.
1: So I, we, we, would, be, yeah, we would be married now, but it's like, hey, I, you know me. I'm a fucking weirdo and I need a cool fucking date. So I'm like, oh, two, oh, two, twenty, twenty. Awesome. That's Not a cool day. fucking day. Not a bad day. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, we're going to do it in New Zealand, and her, her father's a famous hunter in New Zealand, so we're going to do it at the Deer Stalkers Club because it's free, and we're going to do a pig on the spit, and we're going to do all the stuff, and we're going to go out in the, in the bush and tramp around a little bit, and wow. maybe shoot, shoot some deer to eat, and all that stuff. And, you know, if uh, anybody wants to come, you're invited.
0: Yeah, I'll take one of those. <laughs> all right.
1: High fives all around.
0: <laughs> Isaac, Sean, yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's you, that's you. Yep.
0: What about you Benjamin? Have we got any more seminars to look forward to?
3: Uh, this year, no. Um, I've got a couple lined up next year. Uh, I've got a few private ones I'm running in house for a few different gyms. Um, and then probably have a one open to the public
0: for early February. Beautiful. That's amazing. And so you're planning on having one per quarter next year, is that about right? Thereabouts,
3: yeah. Yeah. So as, you, as, you're as gonna a gonna as have... guesstimation, yeah. I'd like to have sort of like one open to the public every quarter, and then sort of fill in weekends here and there with private ones in in house for gyms.
1: Yeah. Ben needs to do seminars. People need to people need to hear what he has to say about powerlifting and his mm-hmm. techniques and the stuff that he's learned from other people and the way he's systemizing his stuff. More people need to know this because Absolutely. he he truly gets it not from just the strength perspective, but also from the recovery and all that and uh if he ever wants to do one with muscle nerds and i heavy, would very much like that and he can talk about squat bench and deadlift and i'll talk about the biochemistry and stuff
3: when are we doing this whenever you want once baby. you sniff I'm the ready. beard oh he sniffed it plenty of times
1: everybody that comes to that gets a cuddle from me and gets to sniff his beard and a cuddle for me so and they can sniff my <laughs>
3: most importantly balls. i get to sniff my beard
0: <laughs> you know you know i think I'm almost embarrassed. At the beginning of this podcast, I put out the question, so why the fuck are the four of us sitting around this table again? <laughs> that. that is the reason right there. Right there.
1: Well, now I know. Yeah. Because it would be stupid for us not to sit here and talk about this shit. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, what? you've
0: collaborated. Luke, you've collaborated with a few other coaches in the past with different workshops. I think this collaboration with Ben Marker would be... A very unique seminar indeed. So, get your fucking asses in the gear and start booking that shit. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Done.
0: Cool, excellent. Brenton, what have we got going on for the? Well, it's nearly fucking Christmas. As
2: if. Sorry. As no, if no, we're no. gonna do any podcasts. No, no, we do. We do. We have two. We have two lined up. We have Robert Drysdale coming up. Fantastic. And then we have. You mean.
0: Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world beater Robert
2: Drysdale. Uh, he's won it at least a few times. I don't know. He went into the UFC. Did a few MA things. Won a few things. Kind of never lost. Coached it, a
0: few fucking amazing.
2: Uh, I mean, <laughs> how much time we got left? Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. So Robert Drysdale. Robert yes. Drysdale. Yes. Very yes.
2: He's an intelligent dude. Really right. smart guy. Really switched on. Um, yeah. And then we have Devin Larratt, arm wrestling world champion, one of the greatest arm wrestlers of all
1: time. At least Luke, the most. Do you know Devin Larratt? I have no idea.
0: Canadian world champion arm wrestler. This dude is one of the masters of psychological warfare when you're two inches away from another guy's face.
3: Does he blow kisses
1: to you?
0: No. He, he tells you how shit that you know you are. And he beats you.
1: Holy shit, Jesus Christ. He
0: has arms as long as my legs. And he is, uh, look, it, for my money, He is one of the greatest competitors in any sport that I've ever seen
2: compete. Very interesting training methodologies as well. And he's one of those guys that adds, puts respect back into the, whoa, how did I do that? Uh, He puts respect, (laughs) gives respect back to the bicep curl. You know, when you see him lifting like monumental amounts of weight in a bicep curl for a specific sport like that, you Mm. see the value in it.
0: Absolutely. So we have that to look forward to here on the Unknown Strength Podcast. But for right now, why don't we uh, why don't we call it a night, wrap things up and then um, open another bottle of whiskey? I don't know. Burgers, burgers,
2: burgers, burgers yeah. and whiskey. Yeah, I yeah, get some food
3: before we drink more. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. All right, well, Luke Lehman, you are the man. Thank you so much. Ben Marker, you are my brother. Thank you, Brenton, you are also my brother. Always. Much love to everybody listening. Thank you, Isaac and Sean, for joining us. You guys are legends we are out ladies and gentlemen
1: fantastic thanks for having us on again thank you